Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I'm super excited because Jenna Fisher, uh, multi-hyphenate actor, writer of, uh, you know, um, filmed content, writer of, well, you wrote a movie and directed I, a movie, I mean, an indie movie. Loosely, loosely wrote and directed. You can't loosely write and direct something. You either do it or you don't. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand with that. I loosely wrote it. I had my friends come over. They improvised their roles. Then I used the tapes, transcribed what they said, which is technically writing it down, but not really like conceiving of it. And then I gave them back their own words that they'd already said, and then they improved more. You didn't just hit That's... the bong when they left and fall asleep, though, <laughs> and then have nothing to show for it. I That's transcribed a movie. And directed it. I loosely directed it. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you. If it wasn't for my editor and camera operator, cinematographer Peter Alton, that movie would not in, exist. In he made that in editing. No, no, no. You're supposed to grab all the great names. <laughs> you're supposed to be like, I did all of it. In fact, secretly, I cut it. Peter's name is on it, <laughs> but I really edited it. I suppose if I had any ambition to ever write or direct anything again, I would be doing that. I would be taking all the credit, but I don't. Because what it taught me was this is not for me. I'm going to just be, I'm just going to be an actor. Yeah, I read that that was your Yeah, that, that was my takeaway. And who knows? I don't know if that has to be a permanent thing that you're never going to do that again. Well, I just worked with Helen Hunt. She just directed me on my new television show that I'm doing. And I was so inspired by her. And um, she asked me if I would ever think of directing. And I said, no, 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 I don't have an eye for it. And she said, you can learn it. I think you could learn it. And she kind of like, it kind of like gave me a little nudge. Yeah, you. So now I'm wondering about it. She was like, I, she, she was kind of like, I disagree. She's like, I think you could learn it. I don't think everybody could learn, but she was kind of like, I think you could learn it. I think you could do it. She's like, you could pay attention. Well, that's the thing. The way that you go about building characters and thinking about story, there's no reason on earth you couldn't do it. Also, you craft a performance. You understand. I've worked with you. You definitely even understand what your silhouette looks like in different outfits, why. You understand in staging where you want to move and how. And that's directing stuff. You also did it when you were far less experienced. I get well. That's definitely true. You directed before you really before I knew what I was really understood what yeah. the craft was about. Yeah. Well, she was amazing in the way she spoke to actors, like the performances that she got out of people. I thought, oh well, I think I could do that part. Like being an actor, I think I could work with other actors. So I started after I worked with her. I started for the rest of the run of the show. I started asking our cinematographer. I'm like, what? So I'm like, I don't understand. You're doing a steady cam. And then how are you covering that? Like, what is that? What is coverage? Like, what are you doing? So I tried to wrap my head around it. It's still very elusive to me. I still don't totally get it. But I just I started asking more questions. That's where it starts, right? Knowledge starts with questions. That's what so that's we what did I on our first doing. movie. I mean, this is your book. And, and let me just say that. And you're here, one, because you and I have known each other a long time. And, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah. And I'm, I've been wanting you on the podcast. But also you have um, your uh, book, um, which is called. The Actor's Life. A survival guide is just out now, and um, you wrote that. You're not going to try that. to say you didn't no, write no, no, no. that. I wrote that. That's different, though. A, this is a book of stories of my own experiences, along with advice and encouragement. It's aimed at aspiring and struggling actors, but that's different. So that's like storytelling stories I experienced and already know, as opposed to like a blank page where I have to conceive of the people and the conflicts and the obstacles sure. and the I did. You know, but the thing about the when you read your when one reads your book, and I, I'm just going to say this, um, I loved your fucking book. I love it. Thank you so much. 
Um, and I talk about books on this podcast, and it's quite different than most of the books that I reference. But your book is for those people, and I want to talk about who who the who your audience in your in your head is, who who the person you're writing to is. But you know that book's great for people who do what I do, because what a window into what the daily life of an actor in all different phases of their career, um, and how an actor thinks about preparing, and how an actor like um, I'm jumping ahead, but your description of the day of a table read. Yeah. Man, I loved that section of the book because, you know, the table read from my perspective is just an entirely, it's my favorite part of the process, but um, the way you talked about going through it and your advice to people on it was like brilliant and really let me think about what the table read can feel like from an actor's perspective in a way that was great to do. Well, I talk about the the network test audition as well, where um, you have a room full of writers and producers and network executives and what that's like from an, an actor thinks everybody's just thinking about their performance and how good they are. But in reality, everyone has something at stake because when the actor goes in the room and starts performing the material, if the actor isn't quote unquote doing well, I'm... You know, I talked to writers and directors who were like, oh, my God, it's me. I, I wrote wrong or I've directed that person wrong. Like everybody is feeling the nerves in the room. And that's why those rooms are so tense, I think, because it's everybody thinks it's about them. Right. But it's it, it's about all, the all day long. All of us in a, every creative endeavor, the first battle is with self-consciousness. For sure. And if you can somehow manage to uh, work really hard over a long period of time to not have the self-consciousness be the top note for your existence. <laughs> it's so much better and it allows you to do such better work and then allows you to um, understand what's going on because you walk on a set and you're 100% right. Every single person is looking at it from the point of view of their job, their responsibilities, who's and and um, the way that they're worried they're going to be perceived or the way they're worried they're going to fail. Yeah. And your book is amazing at... Um, Talking about what you can be responsible for if you want to be a creative person doing this and what you can't be responsible for. Yeah, because there's there are the things that you can do and then there's the ways you need to surrender. Yeah, I mean, don't eat a cheeseburger the night before you're going to be put don't, into... Don't do it. Isn't that a crazy story? That's my favorite. One of my favorite things From Walk in, Hard. in the book, oh uh, a classic movie. All right, I want, to, I want to start backwards and then we'll go... Forward again. We'll go forward and we'll catch up to here. And I want to say also, I loved reading the book, the part about our, even though you don't name us, but you name our movie. I know. I and, know. I, you know what? It's I did this weird thing where like sometimes I named people and sometimes I didn't. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I would choose to But you to name the movie. I mean, you make I it quite clear. I mean, it's someone obvious. can go on IMDb and figure that out. No, it's very right. easy to yeah. figure it out. But we worked <laughs> together in this movie, Solitary Man, which is the most personal movie I ever made. And you, you know, you had a very hard job. You did beautifully. Um, you were playing um, uh, Michael Douglas's daughter in the movie and a character who was similar to my wife. And Dave Costable, who I who's placed Wags on my show Billions, he played your husband, who, who he was kind of playing a version of, of me. But we had worked together before, Jenna, on this pilot called The Street Lawyer. Yes. And I loved reading from your perspective. You know, we talked about <laughs> it a little, but like – yeah. From your perspective, what the experience of working with Dave and me was like and, and what you brought to it and um, – We'll get, we'll get to that because the lesson for the actor in that 
was so great. Obviously, your parenthetical is the best thing in the book where you're like, unless they ask you, don't tell. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. That you saved a lot of people. <laughs> um, so let's just go back. Which you grew up in St. Louis. Grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, but I lived in St. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Like St. Louis is where... I was really... You were just hanging with John Hamm and Paul Rudd. The three of you were playing ball together. We were. And, you know, John Goodman would come over sometimes and Bob yeah, Costas sort of like an older, like older brothers. But, yeah. But um, it was mostly me and Ham. That's what I figured. Uh, were you on the, you were like out. the first girl on the football team with him. Yeah. That's what I'd read. I don't know if that's... Yeah. It was crazy. Well, I was a feminist even back then, and it's, I insisted. That's um, really important. Ellie Kemper was there, you know, but she and, um, yeah, she wasn't really athletic, so. Occasionally Lou Brock. So, um, <laughs> the, but was, uh, were you raised around artistic people? Was the idea of being someone who did something like this something that made sense to people in your life in an early age? No, I'm the only one. So in my immediate or extended family. Now, my dad is a great writer. He's a very good comedic writer. And in his business, he was, people were delighted by his funny Christmas letter, you know, or something like that. Like, um, he's just very funny guy. And then my mom was an actress, like, as a hobby. So she would do plays at our church, and she would teach a summer school theater class, but her calling, she felt, was to teach history to uh, middle schoolers. So that's what she did. And she loved that even more? It wasn't like she she thought of herself as a failed actress? No, no. She felt a calling to be a teacher. She loved history, is passionate about history. She's retired now, and she still volunteers at a children's museum um, giving tours on American history. So, I mean, it's like she is still doing it. But she loved doing plays at our church. So um, I would be around that. I really don't know where it came from. It was just always what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of kids make up plays in their childhood. And for me, it just never stopped. But I wasn't outgoing. So I wasn't like this like showy look at me kid. I think that's a big fallacy. Like people think that actors just want to be looked at all the time or they want a lot of attention. So I was very shy. I didn't want anyone to notice me, but I wanted to be an actor. Yeah, sometimes they want to just disappear. Into another, Maybe. into another m- mode, or there's something deep in them that wants to be seen, which is different. Yes, right. Um, and, oh, because right. they don't have the tool to um, um, present uh, this emotional thing that's happening in their regular being, but they feel a need to get it out somehow. Yeah, I I don't know what it was for me because I've heard other actors say, "Oh, I performed and." I received applause and I was like, oh, but that wasn't for me either. Like it also wasn't like recognition based. Um, so I don't I know. I totally relate to that because the moment for like, yes, it's an incredible thing that people like have watched um, Dave and my work, you know, our work for such a long time. Like so and, and hearing that is rewarding in a certain way, but it's the hundred percent the doing of the magic the moment when yeah, something breaks right it. in yes. it when you feel that thing happen when you're flying in any of these endeavors suddenly you're in the air that's the thing right that- yes that's the like intoxicating moment that i'm chasing all the time it's not the accolade it's the um it's the like oh my gosh i did it i think everyone's gonna believe that i really just lost my child i did it. i convinced you like I 
or whatever it is or well it's the way you describe in the book the moment on the office uh the first kiss how yeah. you said you turned around and you just were that person yeah i was that... like you're just transported into this new reality and it's really freaky and cool and wonderful you know well it's endorphins too right yeah. it's all this stuff is you molecular you're shifting something that feels like a molecular shift it happens in i mean it 100 percent happens in writing when i'm writing something that's you know um, uh, and you become you know you you're suddenly thinking in a way that you had no idea you could think and you're you understand things you didn't know you can understand because this character understands yeah which happens to actors right yeah and and also there's those moments that must happen in writing as well where you surprise yourself where a character suddenly you're like oh that was not what i was expecting um which is that is what is that that's so cool like i was just shooting a scene with oliver hudson on our new show and we were doing a scene and he said a line and I got I got like goosebumps like I didn't make myself get goosebumps it was just that we were so much having this conversation um about our children and our relationship and longing and I it just was like it was suddenly not pretend for a second you were in you were there it's we the, were there yeah man we, those moments when you touch it are why the whole all the rest of the pro all the stuff you talk about in the book yeah that's, that's why you why keep all going the back process, <laughs> and all the difficulty and all the work is for those few moments when you feel like you're flying when you don't when you that are is such, the feel like you're flying i can, i mean you know like when you have a dream and you're flying it feels so good right like a mad that's because what our job is it's we losing get to do self-consciousness that. right because if you're flying and you remember you're flying i mean you remember the comic books and like that's or right. the, the the cartoons you know the the moment that the the person who's not supposed to fly realizes they're flying they fall so yeah. you have to not be aware but so you say you always wanted to be in, to do this but what do you remember when it first occurred to you oh i really want to be this i really want to act for my life like were you in high school were you in I junior was, high well i was in college i knew that i wanted to do it but I went to college. My parents really wanted me to have something to fall back on. Yeah. Um, it's not that they they said, you can go to L.A. and do this after college. We just need you to have this safety net. And what made you obedient? Um, I don't know. I don't think I knew how I was going to get there. Well, first of all, I graduated early. So I was 17 when I graduated from high school. And I I think I knew it's not a good idea to go to Hollywood at 17. <laughs> get an apartment and try to be an actor were you getting leads in all your high school plays in none of my high school plays that's important to note <laughs> no because like i had this idea when i was a kid too uh, that um somehow you didn't let it cripple you like well if nobody's noticing that you're the an artist or you have a special thing it's hard to keep yourself believing in it How, yeah first of all why didn't you get the like who do you remember like um, the the kind of person who got the leads or what you felt when they would? I'm well, so interested in what you felt when you would audition and, then and your name wouldn't be up on the well, thing. Well, I wouldn't even audition because we did a musical. We did an annual musical. And I that can't... That was it in your high school? That was it. We did an annual musical. And I didn't sing. And so I wasn't going to get a lead role. But I danced, so I would be in the dance chorus. And, I, and it was so it was like... But I didn't even get like spunky sidekick who doesn't sing. You know, unfortunately, we never did Oklahoma. You know, because then maybe I could have been Ado Annie or something. Right. But um, my senior year, we did, for some reason, an annual musical and a straight play. And I did get one of the four leads in that play. So that that feel like a real thing to you? Were yeah. you excited when that happened? Yeah, and it was a comedy. And I 
it, and it was really cool to do. It was really, you really fun. It. Like yeah. you were doing it. Yeah, I felt like I did it. I had like and sort of like a Betty Whiteish character in that, like the sort of like dopey fourth woman. And you just understood the timing. Like you just yeah. understood what to do. I loved it. How great. And that was really cool. Did um did people note it? Like when it happened, do you remember it landing? No, I didn't feel like I was the standout necessarily of the show. It was um you know, I didn't I didn't feel like people walked away remembering it in any particular way. The people here do you still know who the people were who like you were in that thing with? Yeah, there was one gal, I think her name was Eileen, and she was incredible, an incredible actress. And I heard that she went on to one of those acting conservatories after high school, the kind where you have to keep getting invited back. And I can't remember if she didn't go back after the first year or if she wasn't invited back. And I remember thinking, that is a real shame because that is a talent that was thwarted. Like she by life somehow. Yeah. Like I I still I still wonder about her story because she was great. Like she was great. She was a incredible natural talent. And and by the way, when you ask like of that play, who did everybody think? It was definitely her. And I just think that the difference between me and her was that I don't think she had the support. I don't think her parents supported that idea as much as my parents did. Um and then you know, who knows what happened at her school. It's like she tried to give it a go. But, I mean, these are all rumors. I have no idea what happened to her. Eileen, like, if you're listening, Eileen, though, it's not too late. We want to know also, what's up? Yeah, what are you doing? How are you? <laughs> but did any of those people, like when you became very famous and successful, reach out and were they like, I knew it all along or no? I have a theater teacher from high school who's still convinced that she was part of my grooming, journey. my journey, my grooming and process. That's not your recollection. No, I felt like I could barely get her to notice me when I was in high school. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. after the fact, it's like yeah, she knew me so late. well. She was my first teacher. And like, I think she, but it's, you know, she's a lovely woman, but was not responsible for training me in any way. No, in fact, didn't <laughs> let you know if she did recognize your special gift, didn't, didn't communicate that to you. Didn't get me aside and say, Jenna, listen to me. I really see something in you and I hope you're going to pursue this because you should. Like that conversation didn't happen with this teacher. I had a great drama teacher named Jordan Hornstein and he was mine and um, Melissa Erico's and uh, Kate McKinnon's. And uh, in different and other people that I'm leaving out accidentally, but what was amazing was he never took me. A, he he let me ad a lot of stuff. He and he gave me a uh, something to direct as a junior in high school. He was like, you should direct this. And so he recognized like that I had an ability at this in some way. But he taught me what it meant to talk to artists and stuff in such a fascinating, great way. Wow, love him, love the guy, and invited him. I've invited had him to set and all this stuff because he he did it. Like he, yeah, he didn't cast me all the time though. I got cast and stuff, but he was like. Here, if you're so interested in all this, I'll come and I'll, I'll show you what this That's means. That's a good teacher. It was huge. Um, but then you get to college. You're going to study something else. Yeah. I was a pre-law history major because and I had seen Legal Eagles um, with Robert Redford and Deborah Winger. And I was pretty sure I wanted to be a lawyer. That more than one L? Paper Chase? Paper Chase is the one that got me. <laughs> I think that's... If you've never seen Paper Chase, you got to see it. It's great. It's but in Legal Eagles, they also fall in love. Yeah, sure. So you can be a lawyer, and then you find Robert Redford. 
But isn't Paper Chases like John Houseman and then the young people? He's the teacher and the young he's people the teacher. fall in love. It's also a, a great. But when how did the acting thing like really like take hold at college? I was, I was in the library, writing a like a paper for my history pre law history class, and. I noticed that I really remember this moment. I had spent all this time setting up my table to like quote unquote study. And it was like I was performing a movie montage <laughs> of studying. Yeah. Like I'd go and like get the book off the shelf and act like I was reading it, but I wasn't reading it. Like I was performing uh-huh. paper writing. Yeah. And I and it occurred to me, I don't want to write this paper. I just want to pretend like I want someone to film me pretending like I'm you being had a lawyer. That thought and you actually I had, had that, that thought. thought in the library. And then I was like, I need to be a theater major. This is silliness. I don't know why I'm doing this. Who were your what, what did you have a group of friends there at college? Um I did and 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 my freshman year, so I didn't become a theater major till my junior year, but my freshman year, um, through the communications department, I was performing, weirdly. And that group of people, some of them then went over to the theater department and I followed them. So I was participating in the department, but I just hadn't declared my major. That you were going to like really do it. And yeah. if I would have asked you then, once you'd said to yourself, okay, I have to admit, I need to be an actor. If I would have asked you then, like, what does success look like to you? What, how would you have defined success for yourself that, then? Fame. Really? So yeah. then it was, I need to be famous. Well, that's what I thought it was. I thought that it was fame. And, you know, yeah. Like, how do you become famous? Um, so, yeah. That's, you know. And then also in that department, it was a very theater oriented department so the fact that i wanted to do film and television was considered like lowbrow so so wait this idea sure of course right. I, that was like i was such a sellout that i would that i that that's what i wanted to pursue and and as Instead a result of understanding the importance of the theater yeah exactly so i wasn't like taken very seriously as a theater actor or even just as an actor like because and did I you think, feel those slights did it annoy you yeah, I definitely felt it. Like, I definitely, because I would, but I was, like, not backing down. I was like, no, 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 no. That's what I'm doing. Because I think that was considered, like, showy. Like, the idea of being a television or film actor in my theater department was like saying you wanted to be a reality star. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. oh, you just want to, you just want to be famous. Did it make you angry? Um, No, because by that time, I had gone through my feminist high school, and I was, like, not afraid to be different and I also just I don't know it kind of emboldened me like their judgment was sort of like you'll see right you had that yeah, whatever well, yeah. Yeah. No, you you do like, you'll you're see. you're a kind person and you're aware of like being a good human you do have a chip on your shoulder though. I I yeah I'll get it it's there yeah sorry you, don't I'll mama bear it you know right. like it's yeah you do have a yeah you do have like a chip on your shoulder of like so that when people would say things about the glamour that's expected and all that stuff, you were just like, don't, I got, I'm going to. Yeah. Like, it almost seems like you took that stuff on. Like, okay, think what you want. I'll yeah, show yeah, you. Yeah, that was a little bit. Yeah, a little bit like, you know, you'll see. I got it. Don't the, tell me who I am and don't tell me what I'm doing. So where, like. Um, where does that come from? Where did that confidence come from, do you think? Yes, your parents, I get that. But where, like, what, what were the know. signs you picked up on, right? Because I always talk about that the difference between being a successful artist and um, delusional is very thin. Like, so yeah. how did you know you weren't fucking crazy? 
I mean, I did so many crazy things. I outlined them in the book. I crashed parties. I crashed auditions. Right. I mean, what am I doing? That's insanity. Um, there is a there is a tiny bit of crazy that you need in All this of business. Us have. Yeah, because you have to like you have to weirdly say like, no, I deserve it. Which is a very hard thing to say and a very hard thing to say when you're like raised with Midwest values, you know, like that's, that's not so in the liturgy. That's not in like the liturgy on Sunday morning in no, the church. No, 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 no. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 you should look, I, I'm worthy of being like uh, looked at and idolized. Yeah, in fact, uh, the right. opposite, you know. Yeah. No, that's very difficult. I don't know where that came from, except that um, I think a lot, I attribute a lot of it to my high school. Um I was a complete wallflower, a complete like doormat, quiet, invisible person all through my elementary school and my, nobody knows they went to school with me. They, they have no idea. By the way, I went to Piermont Elementary School and Parkway West Junior. Um, and then I went to my, my all girls high school. Um, but I'm sure that those people have no idea that they were in school. That Jenna Fisher was in no school idea. with them. No idea. No one knew who I yeah, was. But and it was fine with me. That was how I was like going through the world. What do you mean it was fine with you? Um, I mean, I didn't but I just it. asked you to find fame. You were like, success. You were like fame. And then you're like, well, when I was, but I, I liked being anonymous. Like, I'm not sure yeah. that that's tracking. Well, because I thought that the way you got jobs as an actor was by being famous. So sure. you have to be famous so that you can work. So it wasn't about like, I want to be famous just to be famous. Sure. I wanted to be an actor, so I thought that meant you had to be famous. But but when I read your book, it seems clear to me, I wrote this question down because it, it seems clear to me that you're like a student or even like a master of social dynamics, like when to talk, when to listen, what to reveal, what not to reveal. And it made me wonder about this kid thing. Like you talk about it, but like when you were quiet, there's different versions of being the shy kid or the ignored kid. Yeah. But the way you talk about it, and yes, you did some crazy things or you sp maybe spoke out when you shouldn't have. But when one reads the book, one gets this sense of you, when you made a mistake, recognizing it, correcting it, not making it the next time, learning from it. Most people don't yeah. do that. And it, you, you know, you talk about like the first time you were on a set or the first time you were at a table or the first time you, a wardrobe. Like each one of those things, it seems like, you quickly, like when you guessed it on that 70s show, you realized, oh, I'm not supposed to be the one talking. Like instead of continuing, like I can't tell you how many times I've been around a situation, you talk this, you tell this amazing story about being a guest. Yeah, being a, when you're a guest on an established show is very different than being on a show. And especially if you're a guest and you're a, a very famous person as a guest, that's a whole different thing. But when you're right. a, a, a day player, what we would call a day player, yeah. and you come into a set, it, it um, you don't even realize and this is why your book is just so useful for people. You, your performance that you give is definitely like the main thing that's going to determine whether you continue, right? Um, the story arc that's anticipated, and then your performance are the most important things. But you can definitely influence what happens and whether you'll be brought back to a show by all the other stuff. By your offset behavior. By the way you behave when you're not, the cameras are not rolling. And yeah. You, but I, when I was reading it, it was like, it seemed to me like you spoke up once, you realized they like looked at you a little bit oddly. Yeah. But then you had the presence of mind to shut the fuck up and take the lesson and yeah. remember it. How did you start, were you writing stuff down for yourself? I know you scrapbook, like how were you training yourself to learn these lessons? Um, I don't know. I mean, it was just like, I guess 
just, um, I don't know how. I mean, I spent a lot of time, I guess. I mean, in elementary school and especially junior high, that's such a tender time, right? Like if you stand out, you're either popular or you're because you're getting picked on. And I knew I wasn't going to be popular. So I didn't want to stand out because I didn't want to get picked on. So I had observed the social dynamic. This is what I'm saying. You are you, you know? are able to, it seems like, be in the middle of a thing and understand. Most of us just kind of walk through life like, I don't know. And then like we get hit in the face and we're just like, oh, I better turn the other way. But it seems like like you oh, um, like are analyzing this whole thing. I don't thing. know. I don't know. But I mean, some of that is what I enjoy about acting, yeah, right? Which that makes is total like sense. observing how people behave in different situations, observing how people are reacting, um, you know, what is the tension in the grocery store when one person is taking too long? Like, what is the body language of the person behind the person who has a ton of coupons? Like, how is that person pretending like they aren't tense about it, but they really are tense about it? Like, that's very interesting to me, you know? Has that always been, that stuff's been interesting to you? Like, watching behavior? Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing is always interesting. So, to me. like, were you telling yourself stories when you were young in school, or were you like, lo- were you lonely and wishing you had? I was lonely in in those early years. Yeah, I had one friend, maybe two friends, but I didn't feel like I had, like, I I was a loner for sure. Yeah, I mean, I barely remember who I ate lunch with, in even like in junior, junior high. high. Yeah, I don't know who my friends were. So it wasn't until high school where you started yeah. to like in high make school, some connections with yeah. people. And in high school, we were encouraged to have a voice and we were our school was founded by these pioneer nuns who like with one priest sort of you know, rode in covered wagons and then settled and then became a group of teaching nuns. And so just like our roots were of we were pioneer women and and Whatever you wanted to do, like that chip you're talking about that was on my shoulder that is that I have, it comes from high school, which is you will not silence me. It's it's like a she persisted chip that's been there before she persisted, you know? Yeah. And um and it and every woman who went to my high school, I believe, has it for whatever they want to do in life. It, you know, I will not be silenced, I will not be stopped. It was it, it was an amazing gift that school. That's what a yeah a super important thing for everybody, but especially for a woman who wants to go out yeah. into a um, in certain ways male dominated industry. Even though women are uh, in front of the camera, you, you know, it's still there's an imbalance. As yeah, the shown us. And when you're talking, it's just making reminding me so much of like last week's guest on the podcast, Christina Tosi, who also had to sort of like figure out how to just go like I can outwork you and I can out tough you and I'm gonna get where I need to get. Yeah no matter what, and who's now launched this empire of bakeries um, called Milk Bar. But how, so success then was sort of like, hey, I'm gonna find a way to be famous. Has your idea of success changed along the way? Do you still define it? Um, it that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I would define success as an actor, as a person who earns their living from acting. And that, and that definition changed for me when I was in the process of trying to be an actor. Like, I realized, oh, what an actor is is not being recognized, but simply working. I, I so agree. You know, like, that's it. And then the second level of success for an actor is not just earning your living from acting, but getting to do 
interesting, creatively inspired work and earning your living. The work you want to do. Like yeah, work that's that the makes second you... tier. And sometimes, a lot of times, you have to be famous to have the second part. Because I, you can have a career as a working actor, and it's a whole career of bit parts and, you know, roles that serve the lead characters. But in order to have the lead roles or the roles with really good meaty arcs, you kind of then have to be a quote unquote name actor. Or you either have to become famous or famous within the industry. Famous within the industry. Yeah, because there are many like just go to character actors. Who can can work and do the stuff that really gets them off. Right. Even if um, the world itself doesn't know like I don't now he's very famous Mark Rylance in a certain but actually yeah I don't know his curating probably still he probably still isn't actually um faint like to all of like us my that parents guy's, maybe probably don't know his name yeah like to yeah. all of us that guy's super right. famous that's how, that's my barometer by the way do my parents know that person <laughs> then they're famous then, then they're famous <laughs> so like you can work but yes I think that's true what you're saying so to do the fulfilling the work that turns you on yeah is the next stage that there's like a two two stages of success as an actor and um and you can so you can either have the second stage of success by being a name actor and then it brings right. more work or you do the even more exciting thing which is you get a reputation within the industry and then you get all of your personal privacy and you get to be a working actor yeah. and you get to do work that's you a, love. That's about 10. That's I mean, that's almost nobody has that. Yeah, right. But that's an amazing <laughs> thing. And then I guess the one notch beyond that is like when um, hey, we'll make this show. If you say yes to this show, this show will happen. Yeah. Which you've lived that and like certainly sort like the, I think when you've done theater in New York, like right and and uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I Doing. think that there are these times when like just depending on like the vagaries of just how hot one is at a given moment, where right. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if right after the office you would have said yes to a sitcom, that would have been a go sitcom. Yes, right. They would have yeah. put that that show probably greenlit. Yeah, yeah. Then so that's another sort of like level of this stuff but yeah the, but, the person who can get stuff made yeah i can get things greenlit person yeah yeah that's i think like probably then then it's really all on you also there's a huge pressure yeah uh, attached to that one yeah i um yeah i'm in that weird i'm in a weird spot where sometimes i get offered things and sometimes i still audition for things what would make you audition for something uh well i just auditioned for a clint eastwood movie you know clint eastwood makes everybody audition so how'd okay. it go I got it. I That's did it. That's <laughs> amazing. It comes out in February. What was it? It's called The 1517 to Paris, and it's a movie that is the true story. It's a retelling of the story of those, you know, those three American kids who stopped the terrorist attack on the train to Paris about three or four years ago? So it's their story. Oh, yes. Totally. Yeah. So they wrote a book. Those three guys are starring as themselves in the movie, but a good portion of the movie happens in their youth. And I play the mother of one of the boys. Because their story is amazing. You can read the book. I don't feel like I'm spoiling it because you can read the book or any article about it. But they were like childhood friends and then grew up together and then sort of lost touch. And then weirdly through a set of bizarre circumstances all ended up on a train together and then stopped a terrorist. And one of them got shot like in the foot or something, right? One of them got shot somewhere in the arm or something. Okay, I just it remember It got all cut up. It was very violent. Yes. Um, and so what I... an amazing thing that they did. Stagger. Just incredible. Amazing. And really weird to be around them. We were in Paris shooting 
and they had like seven armed guards around them at all times to protect them from being sort of retaliated against. What? I didn't go out to dinner with them because I would only visit with them in the hotel because you were afraid. I was afraid. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going children. to a restaurant with you. Have you children. Let's get a drink at the hotel. That's though. funny. I've had dinner with mobsters where I've felt like for like research and stuff or like mob guys where I'm just like, oh. but I go. I yeah, go I somehow. didn't go. I, I go and go. just try to sit against the wall. Yeah, That's and I would kind of did, they'll maybe they'll hear it now, but they don't know why I didn't go. I was like, you know what? I'm super tired. We've got a big day. So tomorrow. now we're sending messages to them and to Eileen. Yeah, <laughs> I, Eileen, find us on Twitter and just tell us. Tell us what happened. Are you doing community theater? <laughs> are you are you courageous enough to go out to dinner with the soldiers? We'll be back after this. Word about ZipRecruiter. Listen, I um I have to hire people, people to fill my writer's room, all the crew positions. I know that hiring is hard work. Uh, it's kind of the most important thing or certainly one of the most important things you do in your day if you're in any kind of a management position. And, you know, if you're hiring, you really should be dealing with ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter has this thing called smart matching technology, which actively notifies qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting. So you receive the best possible matches. Other hiring sites uh, don't do anything like that, which is why ZipRecruiter is different. They don't depend on the right candidates finding you. Like ZipRecruiter finds them. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job post to help identify the most qualified candidates. This way you don't have to waste time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. This step blew me away. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just a day, in one day. Uh, and the easy-to-use ZipRecruiter dashboard lets you manage your hiring process from start to finish all in one place. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And look, right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yeah, I said free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash moment. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash moment. Look, one more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash moment what was it like to audition now i can't even because you tell audition stories in the book you talk about process i I know you said sometimes you get offers and sometimes you audition now but i mean it has to be mostly offers it's more offers than auditions but i do still have to audition for for like a big lead in a big drama oh yeah or something that it isn't clear that i've done it before yeah you know, like I'm a, a, a comedy, like a movie comedy, you're not going to go audition for, are you? No, but I'll go on a meeting for it, which is a well, type of audition, right? Without having to do the reading itself, you're still going in and connecting with the people and all that I stuff. think that's super useful, though. I wouldn't want, would you want, I, I, I don't know, if I didn't know somebody, I definitely want to sit down with them, even yeah. offer them the part pending a meeting. So like, at least you can look at each other and go like, do we see the same do we see, is this red? This is what red looks like to me. Is this red to you? Yeah, right. Like holding up an apple. Like, cause if they go, that's blue. You're like, then we're going to have like, a hard time. This is not going to work. <laughs> I know. No, I don't mind it. And I, um, I actually don't mind auditioning because I want everyone to agree that I can do the part before we're on stage or not on stage, before we're like shooting for the first day. Right. Yes. I don't want anybody to be like, oh, oh, that's how you're doing it. Oh, shoot. Okay. You know, just because I have experience, like it doesn't mean that I 
I magically know what your take on the character is and it's the same as mine. Sure. So I would rather have a meeting, discuss it. Maybe you figure out there or do the audition. And then, I mean, I felt so confident going to work on the Clint Eastwood movie because I had auditioned that I knew here, here, he saw it. He saw what I'm going to do with it. He picked me. So let's do, you still, do it. Do you still feel nervous before an audition? I felt really nervous before that audition. Because you yeah. knew Clint was going to be there. He wasn't there. He doesn't go to his audition. Did you? So you knew that too? I knew that. I. That would. It was so funny. I, I worked with. Um, I've worked with this theater actor here in town, Reed Bernie, and he had been he's in a Clint Eastwood actor. movie. I know he's an amazing actor. And I called him and I was like, tell me everything about Clint Eastwood. And he was like, okay. He's like, so Clint Eastwood came to his audition and he was like, I heard they don't let him go to auditions anymore because he gives everyone the part. He doesn't like to give bad news. <laughs> so they told him he can't come anymore. I don't know if that's true, but it made me laugh. So I got to my, cause I'm like, is he going to be there? So I got there and he wasn't there. So I said to the casting directors at the end, I said, you guys, my friend told me that Clint doesn't come to the auditions anymore because he gives everyone the part. And they were like, he's so nice. He does have a hard time giving bad news. Oh, that's um, so funny. But they said more than that, people get so nervous by him in the room, even established actors, that they don't get the best performances out of people. And so that's why he doesn't come. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I would have, I have complicated feelings about him now because of the politics, but as the guy certainly made some movies that matter so much to me and is one of the great, I mean, he's definitely one of the greats of like American cinema. It was no such doubt a, about it. It was such a pleasure working with him. No, and everyone's like, worked it was, with like him. Like that I know. It was a highlight. Everyone I know has worked with him loves him yeah to he's a very person. funny yeah well you can see that i think in the you can I see that so. in the in the work um so okay so you you auditioned did you celebrate when you got the part because one of the things i yeah. loved in the book uh-huh. <laughs> is you you give this advice because and i think it's great human advice which is all of us like are moving forward all the time and like we always will own the disappointments but you say when you when one of those lists of like okay let's say you get a part here's what you need to know you go take a minute call your friends tell yeah. them it worked Tell, Tell them you got a part. You did it. Like, take your moment to huge. celebrate. I think that's huge advice. Yeah. None of us do that in the world. No. No, we don't celebrate the ups as much as we could. Yeah, all we do is talk about, like, oh, fuck, I didn't get it. It didn't happen. Yeah. Here's why I failed. They didn't want. Like, and to take a minute, and and I don't know what it is about humans, us yeah. now in this culture, where, where it's so hard to be like, um... I got the part. Like, it happened. It's good. And to, yeah. whether we're scared of it, but you say it's important to do that. I think it's important to do that. I think so because the, you know, those moments are so few and far between that you have to acknowledge them. You really do. And also, as soon as you, like, right after you celebrate, at least for me, my head is spinning. I, I, I have a type of mental breakdown before every job where I'm like, I can't. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, I'll tell a story. I, so I'm not a crazy person. I think you know me. Like, I'm not crazy. But um, I'm elements of crazy. But um, I got this job in Hall Pass, this Farrelly Brothers movie. And I was starring in it with Christina Applegate, Owen Wilson, and Jason Sudeikis. I did not understand why people, they cast me in this group of people. I was like, I'm not worthy. As soon as I got the role, I became so nervous. I flew to Atlanta because that's where we were shooting. I wasn't married yet, but I was with my husband. Um and he, I had to be there for three weeks and he was going to come visit me in the middle of the three weeks for like a long weekend. So I get there, I'm in my room and I became convinced that my room was haunted. 
I was on the top floor, but I could hear people walking above me. When I checked in, someone had mentioned something about the hotel being haunted. I, I, I just, I, I'm not a ghost person. This is, this is what I'm that's saying. That's anxiety. You know, the this, anxiety. That's anxiety, anxiety. And my anxiety, rather than say, hey, I'm really nervous. I'm not sure I can do this role. I'm scared or any of that, turned into a phone call to my boyfriend at the time, now husband, sobbing at 2 a.m., begging him to come to Atlanta sooner to, because I, I didn't know what to do about the ghost. I, I was like, what is that? And he was like, babe, I think you're just nervous about starting work. I'm like, I'm not nervous about starting work. I'm nervous because I'm not going to sleep because there's a ghost upstairs. I mean, what? I mean, as I as it's happening, I there's the real me that's like, Jenna, Jenna, come back to us. Jenna, calm down. But that, and then once I got to the set, once I was there on the first day, then I was okay. But that 48 hours before I start, before I meet everybody, before I start my first scene, I just, so it's what do you do so to manage the anxiety? Because managing anxiety, it's a twin to the self-consciousness thing. Yeah. How I, well, I do you now manage? Do you meditate? Do you run? Do you, do you scrap? Like, what do you... What do you do to control that stuff so you don't act out in insane um, In insane ways. ways, right. Well, first of all, I, I do do a lot of yoga. And that is a type of meditation. You yeah. have, because yoga, you have to keep doing, holding poses while you have, have em- emotions and, the- and all kinds of things. So yoga is really helpful. Having kids, actually... I mean, I guess you can't, people who have anxiety, have some kids. Um, I just found that, like, um, again, I have to contain so many things, hold so many things, hold impatience, hold frustration, and yet present as if they haven't, for the seventh time, gotten out of bed because their finger hurts. Right. You know, it'd be like, oh, baby, I know. Okay, well, it's time to go to bed. You know, so it's like, I don't know, some of my life is now organized in a way where I can't indulge in these anxieties as much as I could before I was a parent or any of those things. Yeah, so I think some of it is some maturity. Also being a parent can make you even more anxious about other things, but. Well, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, but but when um, you go on a job, then you're able to sort of switch your focus and be like, okay, I'm gonna go do this job and I have to turn my attention to this thing. So in a way, you have like um, a more limited window to focus. Well, you know what? It's funny. You talked about like I am so complimented by this observation you made of me where I seem to like learn something the first time. I, when I realized how ridiculous it was in that moment with Hall Pass, what I was doing, I... It, you it, changed. You yeah, were able to make it yeah. change. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what this is. I'm just nervous. So now I think when that starts to happen the awareness that it's the nerves is the most comforting. Thing. Right. That's gigantic. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm just nervous. Now I'm going to just focus on like um, figuring out how to, how to do my job. Yeah, I'm going to memorize my lines more. Right. Well, this is a great segue into this thing that I noticed in the book and I noticed when we've worked together, which is you're super prepared uh, as an actor. You... Um, come to set with your lines and you've thought about, like everyone can get um, nervous about lines, so like you talk about when you do a blocking rehearsal, you'll have the size in your yeah. hand. But um, even before, it, and, and it's something I've noticed and I've, I've been doing speaking engagements some lately, which I love to do, and I realized that a lot of the time, people, I was talking to a group of people who sell stuff and 
I was like, I bet the hardest when you when it really matters the most sometimes is when you end up preparing the least because to put so much into it and then bomb out is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and so in the beginning when you like really it mattered so much, how did you get yourself up to prepare for every audition? How did you and what things in your life did you say no to? What opportunities? I always think like for an artist, saying no is huge. Not just like, oh, that's the wrong part. You don't have that luxury when you're young and starting out. Yeah. But no, I'm not gonna like um party under the guise of networking or I'm not gonna yeah. do a bunch of I'm gonna actually just stay home even though I know I'm probably not gonna get the part and I'm probably gonna feel bad. I'm gonna stay home and do all my work. Like how did how did you figure that stuff out? Oh, well, I'm, you know, I find parties, I have social anxiety at parties. So dinner parties, I love a good dinner party, right? right? A group of six people and we tell funny stories and laugh. Yes. That's fantastic. But when you were young and in Hollywood, yeah, there had to be I, invitations to like dinners and gatherings No, and stuff. never. Do these parties exist? That's Do these things exist? I'm serious. Like I was not invited to them. I thought that was how you made it. I thought you networked and networking was meeting people and that success came from who you knew so i had to know these people i didn't right. know that who does they turn were. out not to really be true it didn't work i mean a lot of people knew me when i was on the office i tried to get a lot of actors jobs on the office i got two of my actor jobs two of my actor friends jobs on the office like after over 10 years like and they auditioned they had to all i was able to do was get them an audition yes that's right you yeah, know because you can't do like um yeah, for, like if Costi comes to me, it's happened a couple of times. Dave Costable's, a couple of Dave Costable's acting, for people Dave Costable thinks are great have ended up in the show, our show. Yeah. They've all, not only all auditioned, but like, yes, I do think if, an, if a smart actor on your show is like, hey, you know that part? My friend has done X, Y, and Z. You should read him for this. I think he would nail it. Like that definitely does make me pay attention. Dave. Sure. I'll be like, oh, I, I'll call a casting person, but this is the extent of that. What right. that is is you call the cat. Well, you email the casting person. You go, hey, when that person tapes, can you make sure I, you put that at the head of it? Like, definitely yeah, see sure that. Yeah, make sure I see it. I'll tell the assi our assistant, like, I need to see that audition. Then if it doesn't work, it's over. Yeah, exactly. That's You're about the extent of what. You're not going to just cast him just because he knew someone. No, and Dave Costable's not going to tell me just because he's meta. So it has to be someone yeah. as you didn't. You wouldn't just say all your friends. No, no, no. It would, you know, I had this one gal who is my friend who's really great and I would always see little roles and I recommended her three times and it was the third time when she finally got the part and she came in Allison Jones would always bring her in and read her and show her to the producers and then for whatever reason and they that's didn't how Gwyneth her. Paltrow ended up in Shakespeare in Love you know that's, is that how because <laughs> you you brought her in I brought her in I said you need to you need to see, see this, this actress yeah and then the whole thing because we met at a party and she was so charming which that I true. knew she would be a great actress. You know, I mean, that was it. Like, and that's another pressure too with that I think young actors think is like, oh, so I charm my way into a career by meeting people and being in their good graces. And I don't know, that was not, I, that, that was what I, back in Missouri, I thought how but it once, worked. Once you got to Hollywood, you Once I got like... to Hollywood, I realized it's about giving good performances and auditions again and again and again and again and again until you get a part. And each time That's all it you is. would put your all into the thing. Like you got, so the story you tell in the, in the book about us is that you were cast in a three line part in a pilot that David and I made. Yeah. The pilot was called The Street Lawyer. Uh, it was starring Eddie Cibrian and Mario Van Peebles and you were cast as Eddie Cibrian's assistant. Yeah. And you came in with this whole um, backstory 
I mean, tell you. Yeah. So all I was supposed to do was like come in and say, tell him something about a meeting that he had to go to as his secretary and um, and then tell him that I had made him some cookies. And I thought it was such a nice detail, by the way, for a three line role, because the three line roles, your job is to just my job in that was to get him out the door. How do we get this guy out of his office? Oh, we'll have a secretary tell him to leave. But you added a detail, which was that I had a plate of cookies, um, which he disregarded. He didn't take a cookie. He didn't seem to care about the cookies. So I found that interesting when I read it. So I was like, oh, I just was like, why does she bring him the cookies? And I invented this backstory that she had this big crush on him and was trying to get noticed. Because in the scene, he doesn't notice her. So I was like, when I give him the cookies, I'm just going to give it a little thing, which is just like hoping, but very shyly, like maybe he might think it's cool that I made the cookies. But whatever, he didn't. So it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll go back and answer the phones. And so you do this performance. So I did it. And I remember Dave coming up to me in the, there was a blocking rehearsal and whatever. Dave was, I think, standing there and I was standing there also, but over maybe looking at camera, you know, um, Maybe he was paying closer attention to everything. He goes, watch that woman. Watch what she's doing. And he's like, it's really good. She's like really alive. And I remember watching and also being like, what was great was you didn't, you weren't doing it to attract attention to yourself. No, you I didn't tell anybody. You weren't trying to steal the scene. No. You weren't like waving the cookies above. You were, you were just, um, instead of just by rote saying some words and getting out, you were like a three-dimensional person in the scene. And I guess we came up to you afterwards. But, well, yeah, but like you planted the seed. You gave me the cookies. Like most people don't give you the cookies. Most people, sure. you know what I'm saying? So I was like, there's something, I, I am going to grab onto the cookies with my life. But this is a great acting thing, which is you looked at the scene, you looked at the text, you didn't try to add to it. As you say in the book, you didn't say, here are four more lines I want to say. Right, right, no, I didn't. You just did your job, but you, you like gave what you had to the job. Like who you were as a person, all the stuff, your intellect, your body, like you did the thing. Yeah. Which then made us come up to you. We, we were like, at, even though you were like a guest on the show, we all had lunch. Together. Like we all yeah. ended up having lunch at that, that day and we talked to you. Yeah, which kind of happens on pilots, right? Even if you're a guest on a pilot, like everybody's new. Yeah, a little so more. So there's a lot of happen. camaraderie. Yes, it's yeah. true. But I remember we said to you, like, you're good. Like, I don't, oh, that's so sweet. I don't remember. I just remember you guys being like, what are you, right. what do you think? Like, what are you doing there? And I told you that I thought, Oh, here was what I was just like, that I have a crush on him and all this. And then I I don't know if you said it in the moment or if I got a message through my agent. Right. We got word to you. like Yeah, that was like, if this show goes, we want to bring you back. We really love this idea of her pining away for him yeah, you and didn't... popping up from time to time. And so this was brilliant in terms of dynamics, right? Um, you didn't volunteer any of that to us until we asked you. And you right. say that in the book, and it's important. It is. That's right. And 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 how this paid off on both sides of it was, like, if you, if you think about the way... So at that moment, um, Dave and I were further along in our career than you were. Um, we'd made a couple movies. We were still young in our career, but we made a couple movies, and we were here making this TV pilot. We took the time to reach out to you through and say, like, we saw you. We recognized what you yeah. did. You Which, rem- by the way, is an amazing thing to do for an actor. You, yeah, I, my agents were thrilled. They were like, "Oh my god!" Like that got them so excited, you know? Yeah. And then, as a result of that, and you were so cool and great on the day. Then five years later, when we were going off to make our movie with Michael Douglas, um, you were a big star then. But uh, 
we knew like we have a, an actual person we have like a connection to this person yeah we know we can work together and we as you say in the book we were the first people to like offer you a dramatic role without an audition you're the first people to offer me a role yeah that was like the first role i had been offered and we offered you this part knowing because we'd all done we'd all sort of done this test run of yeah as human in a way it was like it's artists but as people yeah. And said, like, here, let's all, we want to do this someday, work together. And I remember writing you or something through your person then being like, this is what this is. We're those guys from that show. And you immediately were like, I'm in. Of course. Let's go. Like, yeah. let's all do this together. Again. It was so exciting. But that was like, that's an example of like what I talk about in the book, which is that I could have perceived that day as being the end of the line or like maybe a failure because oh shoot that pilot didn't get picked yeah, up and, the and pilot I, didn't I go the pilot didn't go I didn't get the recurring role but it's like people remember good work so you just your only job as an actor is to just keep doing the good work and then you know five years later it paid off but that was the same with Allison Jones my first audition for Allison Jones was five years before my audition for the office with Allison Jones so it's like you just have to keep showing up and and comporting yourself. That's the thing. You it's how you it's the work, and then not being a dick, yeah. And then comporting yourself in just completely in the right, in the right way, um, finding a way to make an impression without seeming like you're trying to make an impression. Yeah, and sometimes you can't control it. Like, you know, it was just occurring to me that when I was on that '70s show and I tell the story in the book about how no one really talked to me, but as we were leaving the taping, Topher Grace came up to me and introduced himself. We didn't have a scene together. And he just said, hey, I'm Topher. And I'm thinking to myself, I know who you are. And he and he said, um, he's like, I really, he goes, you played the shop owner. You were so good. I really love what you were doing. And we had a little conversation. And, and I was like, wow, I never forgot it. And then three years later, the office happened. And I see him at like an Emmys party or something. And he's like, hey, you were the snooty shop owner. I knew something was going to happen Well, for you, you did have this way. Okay, I'm so glad you just brought that up. Because you do have this way. You did have this way of making people want to root for you. Because when The Office hit, I do remember Dave and I being like, that's that girl. Oh, that's so sweet. No, like, oh, we knew that. Like, you did. We were like, look at that. It worked. Like, it is a meritocracy. Like, it can happen. <laughs> like, she kept doing that work. And look, I, and I remember it was, like, super exciting to us, even though we weren't friends with you then, just because we'd seen how much you brought this But it stuff. was like, not everybody saw. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just every, but, and that's the thing, too. Like, Well, your fucking just drama like, teacher didn't see. My drama teacher didn't see. But, like, I worked with many people who didn't see, or maybe that day I wasn't doing the thing that got noticed. But, you know, you you only need a few people to see, you know? that's and, and then it'll keep going. And then, you know, Topher, then I wanted to make a movie. And sort of like what you're talking about, I wanted to make a movie. I was like, well, I know Topher. Right. I think he likes me. You know, he noticed me and we... Then we saw each other at a party. So then when I was producing a movie, I, through his agent, said, will you come be in my movie with me? And then we did. And right. now we're making an animated show together. That's like, so great. Do you know what I mean? But it all started with him taking that moment. And then that little connection, he didn't give me his number. Right. We never went out. Like, we never called each other. No, it was a work thing. Like, it literally. It was just a work thing. It was just a work respect thing. It was like, I'm recognizing. It's that feeling. I mean, that's why yeah. Avatar is such a great movie because um, it is... 
it's it, it, it probably the first time I've mentioned Avatar in 300 podcasts, but uh, <laughs> but the thing in that movie that's so profound and why that movie resonated more than all the science fiction, uh, all the, the stuff, is um, that idea that we just want to be seen. Yeah. And Topher saw you, basically. He did, yeah. And, you, and in that moment, there's a, an, a connection that happened. He saw you because you showed up with your best self to do this, to do this work. Yeah. Um, which is the thing that if people read your book that they'll, I think that they'll uh, understand. But so you took these incremental steps, Jenna, and um, I'm sure you talked about this on, I haven't listened to your WTF yet because I wanted to do this before listening to it. So I wouldn't be self-conscious about We've repeating stuff. We've talked about all different things. It's been really wonderful. Okay, good. Yeah. But did you talk about the moment you almost quit? Um, because in the book, it was the one thing that I didn't really understand in the book. I understand that sticking to it. Because by all, um, in all the ways people track this stuff, you had actually been successful and you were still quitting. Like, Which was what my a, manager and agent were saying You were to a me. working actor in Hollywood. Yeah, I was earning my living as an actor. I'd been earning my living as an actor for two years. Which meant what, you were earning $25,000 a year? Were you yeah, earning $70,000 a year? No, I, around thirty. So, right, that's an amazing yeah. To be earning $30,000. That's what I had been earning as a, you know, a temp and so now administrative assistant. And so you were doing it. Yeah. So I, I, were you really thinking about quitting because the pilot didn't go or because? You know, I was. And some of that was because of my personal life. So I had gotten married. My husband was successful. I started thinking. This was your first marriage. My first marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my first marriage, I was married and, um, he was successful. He could support us. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I living this hellish life of rejection and tension and all of these things? Um, you know, when I could, on the other hand, just be a mom and settle down and, live in a nice house with my husband who will provide for me. And, um, you know, like, why? Why am I doing this myself? And I had found charity work, which I found very rewarding. And I was like, maybe that's what I do. I, I had been doing animal rescue work, and I had become particularly sort of attached to the idea of helping people in their homes do a type of hospice care for their elderly pets. Because I was like, we have that for human beings, but then people's pets just like die in a cage at the vet over a week's time. I was like, but you could do that in a person's home. Wouldn't that be so much nicer? And I was like, maybe that's what I do. Like, maybe so you're that's like acting me. or Jack Kevorkian for pets. And I, then you well, went kind of. I'm like you... a hospice worker, right? So, but um, but it was just kind of like I wasn't getting deep, meaningful um experiences out of my acting life, um. The highs and lows were very high and low at this point. You know, it was like, I got my first pilot. It's not going anywhere. You have to start all over again next year. Um, and back then, it really was pilot season. There was no, like, cable and shows that were being called, cast all the time. This is a pilot called Rubbing. Rubbing Charlie. With Scott Wolf. Yeah. And um, you got, you talk about how you just were, like, spent the money. From I spent that all one. the money. You, like, lit. Well, it was going to be a hit. So you, you, I knew we were getting picked up. So I didn't need to worry about it. So yeah. It's a good way to go through I spent life. all the money. Also, I spent all the money forgetting that I had to pay commission. So I actually lost money on that because. 
But but you decided so you were gonna quit though. You really it no, wasn't I just really, like a tantrumy thing. You were like No, I really was having a moment where I thought I could go down two roads right now. I could just you know, and I think the other thing that was, you know, my husband was successful in the industry. So, you know, I still got to go to fun dinners and premieres of his things and sort of could I feel important through him? You know, sort of thing. Like, I don't know. It, it was, it was all very miserable. miserable wow. But at the time, somewhat tempting, you know, because it was... Because of the pain of rejection and failure. Yeah, exactly. Because I was tired of, you know, and that was a whole other thing, too. Like, I was tired of going to events with him where I was, you know, oh, what do you do? I'm an actress. Are you? Uh. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm here with this, like, successful writer and, you know... And I'm the struggling actress and people are like, hmm, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, it's all right. It's all right. And I thought, oh, what if we went to these events and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm an elderly animal hospice caregiver. Well, that oh. would end that. I think that would end the conversation. Honestly, that's then they run away from you so fast. <laughs> They'd be like, they're like, did oh. you say hospice for animals? <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I was like, oh. I mean, it was took me all the way back to going home at Christmas time, and you know, well, oh. oh Jenna, what do you do? I'm an actor. Well, I've never seen you in anything. Right. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, but that's sick because you know, there's no level of success you can get to where some relative can't say that to you. It's well, some exactly. Facts. I mean, literally, you could have been the office was number one. Yeah. You were on the cover of every of EW. Exactly. And someone could be like, wait, now what is that show? Isn't that British? The Office? No. It well, exactly. Well, that was be my mom. Like my mom once. <laughs> I was like, Mom, so I'm going to do a proactive campaign. Remember how I used proactive in college? They came to me, and I'm going to do this big campaign for proactive. And she was like, oh, it's too bad that couldn't have been like a Maybelline thing. <laughs> or Neutrogena. Those girls are so cute on those Neutrogena ads. And I'm like, what? I, I don't even understand how this is no longer a success. Why is that happening? Did you say that? Yeah, I was like, Mom. And what did she say? Mom, she was like, oh, I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just saying. That's very So they were super supportive on the way up. But now it's like keeping well, you in check. Well, yeah, that's right. No, that and she's to... still supportive. But, you know, also like anytime you tell her something, she, you know, like I remember she would be like, all I want, Jenna, is to go to a taping of Ellen. I just want to go to Ellen. Please, I just want to go to Ellen. And I was like, okay, let's go to Ellen. So we go to Ellen. I'm like, what'd you think? Was it so great? And she was like, next stop, Oprah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Can't we? Now I have to do Oprah. Then, and this is not a lie. I made Oprah happen. You did? Yeah. And I said, you can never, ever ask me for another thing again. I've taken you to the White House. You've gone to Ellen, um, and now Oprah. So you were taking her to Oprah yourself? You no, were no, no. Her and my aunt, they went to the last season, a taping of Oprah in Chicago. I was like, and when you're there, you cannot say it wasn't a giveaway day. You cannot say anything. You can complain in no way about this experience. You're going to Oprah. She's like, okay. And I'm like, by the way, mom, Oprah is a syndicated show. Like I have, it's not NBC. Like I can't just call up someone and get you into Oprah. Like this is very difficult to go to Oprah. Oprah's not my girlfriend. Oprah's not, not, I don't know Oprah. Okay. So she goes to Oprah and I was like, you cannot, you cannot ever ask for another thing again. She goes to Oprah. 
she didn't say anything for a little while. And then she said, Barack Obama. <laughs> and I was like, we're done. That was it. We're done. It's over. There's no Barack Obama. There's oh, my no God. Isn't that Obama. so sad that there's no Barack Obama? Well, I know. Oh, my God. That's so horrible. What a t- I mean, I there is one in the world, thankfully, but he's there just is. not where he's supposed to be. That's which is, right. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our Go third, back third there. Third-term president. Go back, please, sir. Jenna, uh, lastly, so so this book, I've read um, Cindy Lamette's book, Making Movies. I used to read it once a year. I don't still read it once a year, but I do read it. It's the most practical book about if you want to be someone who makes movies, and I really think that your book is a cousin to that book. I think the essential books are um, Walter Murch's book, In the Blink of an Eye, which is about editing. He was the... Uh, He's an editor and sound editor for Godfather, Godfather 2, and Apocalypse Now, and this incredible book about editing. And Cindy Lumet, one of the great directors of all time, wrote Making Movies. And I really feel like for the actor who wants to understand craft and career, your book is like belongs there. It's an amazing um, personal journey, but more than that, I think it's an incredible textbook. Like you really did something. So, but what do you hope that your next book will cover about the life you've lived? Like if you write a book in 15 <laughs> years, like what do you hope you live in those next 10 or 15 years that you can write about? What um, does success look like like now to you? I would love to find a work-life balance. So I would- What does that mean? Yeah, define um, it. Uh, I would love to find a way to continue to be an actress and be creatively inspired and expressed while never missing any of my children's milestones. And why is that hard now? Because as an actress, I'm not in control of the schedule or the shoot day. So does that make you turn stuff down now or you do it yes. and you miss stuff? No, Which is I it? turn a lot of things down. I don't work out of town. Um, there, I get huh. offers for um, amazing indie films that shoot for three weeks in Atlanta and I can't do it. I can't be away from my kids so for three weeks that... and I can't move them because uh, I'm also not willing to just sort of make them live a life of tutors and following me around. So is that right? Because you're caring about this. You made a commitment when you had these kids, which is like you, you're going to be their mom. Yeah. Like I made a, you know, I, I completely understand the only bad part of my job ever for these toys is the travel. Like when I had to travel Yeah. and David and I have said our last few things here in New York and it's huge because we could be around our, our kids. Yeah. So in a way, is that the one way in which the financial security and freedom that the office gave you is like double-edged because you can say, you basically, right, if, if you didn't have it, you'd have to go to Atlanta and you could do to do your work. Yeah. Now yeah. it's sort of like I I can turn whatever. I only have to work. I mean, you only have to work when you want to work. Yeah. So yeah. The, different... the, the office gave me a savings account because I saved all my peanuts. I saved them all. <laughs> um, and no, but you did. You were yeah. after the experience of the first pilot. On the first of all, I mean, you're, you know, it's the drag of television. Like your the amount of money you guys all made the last few seasons of The Office is public, so everyone knows. Yeah, you made secure, we cashed in. You made enough money. You don't have to work. That's yeah. just that, and and you didn't blow it. I didn't. I didn't uh, spend it. So because how is I knew that I wanted to have a family, and I knew what I wanted my family to look like. So you knew, like, I want to actually live a certain kind of life. Yes, and I planned it with a financial planner. Like, how, what does that mean? It means I said if I don't work. If I want to stay home and raise my children. What can I spend a year? Yeah, what can I spend a year? Like, and what? still know that I can, like, don't yeah, have to worry. That's right. And when, how young were you when you fucking did that, you genius? In my uh, 30s. I, right, that's amazing. Yeah. That you had the presence of mind to do that. Yeah, because I, I knew that I wanted that. 
I think you might be my smartest guest. Jenna Fisher, everybody. <laughs> um, thanks for being here. It's so good to see you. Good to see you, I too. know you're on your way to the airport. And you can find... Jenna's on, online. What are you on Twitter? I... Okay, on Twitter, I think I'm Jenna Fisher. On Instagram, I'm Ms. Jenna Fisher. I only found you on Instagram today. You I just did? followed you today. I, yeah, <laughs> we've been on Twitter, followed each other for a long time. I just um, saw you on Instagram today. Yeah. I just got on Facebook. I just started as a, a Jenna, public figure? yeah, a, just a, a Jenna Fisher Facebook, and the Facebook was where I kind of wanted for the book. Like, I, I'm hoping that like we can create a little like a community artist of community oh, who can like you know help each other out and ask me questions that I'll maybe answer from. So time find to time. Jenna there, Eileen. Find Jenna. Eileen, find me on Facebook. That's, that's probably you, the best That's place. where you can find Jenna. Hey, I'm on Twitter at Brian Koppelman, Instagram too, and if you want to. Uh, email me with any comments about any of this at the the moment bk at gmail.com uh jenna fisher thanks you are inspiring and um a terrific actor uh everyone uh see you next time thanks <laughs>